0: The Uncomfortable Truth About Podcast Advertising. Hi, I'm Neil Headley. Welcome to The Voice in My Head for Monday, January 31st, 2022. I may take considerable heat for this, but somebody has to say it. As podcasting continues to grow in popularity, there are more and more conversations about what constitutes effective Podcast advertising. The hot trend right now has the conventional wisdom pointing to host read ads. Now, proponents of having the podcast host read the ad themselves will tell you that it comes across as a personal recommendation from a friend instead of sounding like a commercial. There's even data out there that suggests things like a 50% increase in purchase intent. I'll say that again, a 50% increase in purchase intent among listeners who hear a host-read ad. But hold on, let's inject some hard truths in this conversation. As a person with three of my own podcasts, and who also produces multiple podcasts for multiple national corporations, I perked up when I saw the 50% thing, and then I dug a little deeper. So here's where the number comes from. According to the data, 4% of podcast listeners have decided to purchase something based on a you know commercial in a podcast. If you're reading this on our website at knobstudios.com, let me make sure you don't think that's a typo. It's four percent of podcast listeners purchasing something based on a commercial in a podcast. On the other hand, six percent of of podcast listeners have made a purchase decision based on an ad read by the host of the podcast, 6%. Now, if you want to get really specific, 6 is 50% more than 4, so technically the stat as presented isn't misleading. And as a person who spent more than four decades on the air and has not only voiced thousands of commercials, but also thousands of, you know, endorsements and testimonials and, yes, host-read ads on the radio, here's the other thing I can tell you with absolute guaranteed certainty. If you take a live commercial that I'm about to read and you put it up against something that was written and performed by an advertising legend like Dick Orkin... My prediction is that Dick stuff will win every single time. Now, before I go a step further, let's use an example. Have a listen to one of the dozens of commercials that Dick Orkin wrote and performed along with Burt Burtis in the 1970s for Time magazine just ask her the... Uh, miss, uh, is the manager of your drugstore here? Uh, no, on Monday he runs home for a meatloaf sandwich. Uh, uh, well, uh, this gentleman and I have a problem here. What uh, is it? Uh, see, I picked up this Time magazine first. I pick up my Time magazine in this drugstore every oh. week, though. You can ask the manager uh, that question. He ran home for a meatloaf sandwich. <laughs> see, <laughs> we both grabbed the last copy of Time. But, uh, miss, you know. I'm a lawyer, oh. and I need this Time magazine for a case I'm preparing, you know, in case the prosecution brings up uh, movie reviews, uh-huh. or education or dance or art. Art. Right. Then I'm on top of it, see. My wife is in the hospital. Oh, no. Now, just not any magazine will snap her out of it. I didn't it. know that... She uh, craves something bright and witty and special. She oh, sure. Uh, in so fact, her pitiful last request to me was for chocolate-covered cherries and Time magazine. Oh, <laughs> no. What is uh, wrong with you She's the... having her ears pierced She's... in the uh, Miss, hospital. Miss, could we have some arbitration here, please? Uh, without a prescription, you'd have to ask the manager, no. but uh, well, he ran home, home for a meatloaf, a meatloaf oh, sandwich. Yeah, Let's yeah, wait for yeah, the I'll meatloaf hold, to come I'll back. Time magazine, the most colorful coverage of the week. Me live against something pre-recorded from Dick and Bert. Yeah, the Dick and Bert stuff will win every time. This, in spite of the fact that I have had dozens of sponsors over the years that have told me that the live commercials I did for them outperformed every other radio personality's version in a given market. In fact, I've done conference calls where I've been asked to coach announcers in other cities on the finer points of what made my version of the same information so much more successful. Now, I don't point this stuff out to puff out my chest. I point it out because I know that I get above-average results with my host-read ads on the radio. And I still promise you that a pre-recorded Dick Orkin commercial would do better. So imagine how much better Dick's spot would do than a host-read ad that was merely average or below-average. As it applies to podcast advertising, here's my take as a broadcaster, podcaster, writer, and producer on why host-read ads outperform regular ads. Let's say that you could find somebody who could produce a pre-recorded podcast ad that had the same power to influence a buying decision that a Dick Orkin commercial had. Now, that would cost you money, maybe even a lot of money. Unless you cut corners, which probably means, you know, a writer that doesn't have a full understanding of demographics and psychographics and unique selling propositions and key benefits and positioning statements and the myriad other things that are covered in tons of useful books about advertising and marketing, including mine. But maybe there are podcasts where they just had someone other than the host read a 10-second piece of relatively boring copy, and that's part of what counted toward the total number of non-host-read ads. You know, you get something that was generated by an AI and read by someone that they grabbed off the street, and you put that up against something that was read by Joe Rogan. You know. By the way, um, let's talk about the breakdown of the lengths of those ads, too, because I don't often hear pre-recorded commercials on podcasts that are longer than 15 seconds. But I've heard host-read ads that drone on for two full minutes. So, are we even comparing apples to apples here in the data? Here's something else I've noticed during my time as a podcast listener. Most pre-recorded podcast ads are incredibly boring. Especially, for some reason, some of the ads from some of podcasting's biggest sponsors. In fact, I would say they're some of the worst offenders. I know that one of my favorite podcasts, in particular, it's almost constantly in the list of top five in its category, and it boasts subscribers in the six-finger range, where the sponsor's 15-second tagline is read by one of the show's producers. Not a professional commercial voice, not an actor, the person on the other side of the glass from the host. Did the data include that as a non-host-read ad? No wonder the average response got driven down. Look, if you really want to know why host-read ads outperform commercials driving the buying intent from a microscopic 4% to an overwhelmingly massive 6% (laughs) still scratching my head over that one. It's because writing an effective commercial is hard. It's a throwback to the conventional wisdom among the, you know, experts and gurus from half a century ago who told everyone to almost universal acceptance that Funny commercials don't sell. Well, actually, it turned out that funny commercials do sell, and the experts and the gurus were wrong. It's just that most people who thought they were writing funny commercials were actually writing unfunny commercials, or they were writing funny skits that weren't effective advertising. Look, you've got multiple services out there on the internet that claim that their artificial intelligence engine can write better marketing copy than a human. What's terrifying is that people who don't really understand marketing copy actually believe such ridiculous claims. It's quite possible that AI can write better copy than some humans. You can program an AI, for example, to stay away from time-wasting, useless phrases like conveniently located or all your business needs, but exceptional copy needs to be done by exceptional writers. For the fun of it, I signed up for one of those AI copywriting services and I put in some details to have it write an ad for Time Magazine. Now, to be fair, I didn't tell it to write a specific length of copy, just that I needed it to be short and that I wanted the perspective of the spot to be quote, witty, was one of the options they offered. Now, With the memory of the Dick and Bert radio commercial still fresh, here is the complete, unedited version of what the AI gave me that the company claims is better. I'm going to even throw in some music to spice it up a little and do everything I can to try and prop this thing up so that you don't think I'm artificially casting it in a negative light. You ready? Here goes. Do you want to know what's happening in the world? Time Magazine is a weekly news magazine that covers everything from politics and economics to health and science. It's an award-winning publication with over a 100 years of experience, bringing readers the most important stories of our time. For more than a century, we've been at the forefront of journalism, reporting on world events as they happen. We're committed to delivering high-quality content that informs and inspires readers around the globe. And now we're available for your phone. Download our app today so you can keep up with all the things going on in the world every day. Yeah, the company claims that's better. Rather than get into a really intensive dissection of all of the ways that that copy is horribly broken, like the way it shifts from third person to first person halfway through, um, let's look at a few of the most very basic things that people who've read my book already know from some of the earliest chapters. So for starters, it opens with a useless, disposable question. Do you want to know what's going on in the world? That's the equivalent of... You know, do you come here often? Then it tells me some basic, almost clinical information that could literally be claimed by hundreds and hundreds of different publications. And by the way, that equally disposable sentence is the one and only time that we see the words Time Magazine. The more than a century line is interesting, but it's wasted. In a sentence that still manages to become disposable by linking that century of experience to another feature that hundreds can claim. And don't even get me started with the sentence that follows about being committed to delivering high-quality content. Ugh. The last two sentences, similarly wasteful. Being available on my phone? And having an app that lets me keep up with the world, look, that's a benefit that could literally be applied to half the apps on my phone, including Instagram and Facebook and even Google Chrome because with the Chrome browser on my phone, I can go to Time's website or CNN's website or literally any other website on the planet. Honestly, I don't even know that the copy that this service generated is as good as the very first piece of copy that I wrote when I was 15 years old. I mean, there's not even an attempt to appeal to a single emotion that I can spot. And remember, that's what the AI spit out when I asked for something witty. Overall, the copy from the AI generates emotions like disdain and sadness and maybe even on my part a touch of hopelessness because there are actual people who believe that what I just read you is good marketing copy and that it's worth paying for. It's garbage but they're selling it as the next wave of brilliance. Yikes. Look, if you have a podcast and you want to see the potential of what a real commercial could do, you should look up Lisa Orkin on the internet, Dick's daughter. She's amazing, and she is leading the fight to make podcast advertising suck a whole lot less by putting it back in the hands of people who know how to make great audio commercials she's still running the radio ranch the company that her father started and she continues her late father's legacy by doing work that would make him proud and when you reach out you don't even have to tell her i sent you that's it for episode two of the voice in my head Now, if any of what I just told you would inspire you to pick up the tab for coffee if we sat down for a meeting sometime, feel free to buy me a virtual coffee to say thanks. Just go to buymeacoffee.com slash NOP. And NOP is spelled K-N-O-P-P. You can also find a transcript of this episode and a bunch of other goodies at NOPstudios.com. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Voice in My Head. I'm Neil Headley.